Ohio Habla es un podcast que nace del proyecto Narrativas Orales de Latinos en Ohio, Oral Narratives of Latinos en Ohio. Exploramos la experiencia latina con entrevistas en español, inglés y spanglish. Welcome to Ohio Habla. I'm your host, Adriana Ponce de León. Betty Montero joins us today to talk about her work as a domestic violence advocate. More about our guest. Betty Montero was born in the Dominican Republic and raised in Puerto Rico in her early years. At the age of 14, she moved with her family to the United States and has lived in Columbus, Ohio for the last 19 years. She graduated from Dublin Kaufman High School in 2001. In 2017, she obtained her bachelor's degree in social sciences and is currently working on her master's in public administration. Ms. Montero currently works as a domestic violence legal advocate for the prosecutor's office in the city of Columbus. There, she assists victims who are in the middle of looking at potential prosecution for their abuser. Her main duties not only consist of making sure the victims can understand the process, but also to make sure their rights are met and they are connected with the necessary resources to help them in the middle of the storm. Ms. Montero specifically works with the Hispanic population in addition to the cases on her regular courtroom. In her previous years, Ms. Montero has also worked with sex trafficking victims, helping them transition out of a life of abuse. Betty, thank you for the work that you do as a domestic violence legal advocate. Can you tell us how you got started in this role? Yeah, well, I have, through the Latina Mentoring Academy, we have a group of, it's like a sisterhood, and where you get to do networking and things like that. So one of my sisters who graduated with me in the same cycle, she works for the prosecutor's office, and there was a position available to be a domestic violence advocate, and uh she posted it on our um, Facebook group. We have a Facebook group for the Latina Mentoring Academy alumni. And I looked at it and I was like, huh, I like that. <laughs> so I went ahead and applied for it and I ended up getting hired. So that's kind of how I started in this journey. Um, how is the work of a crime victim advocate uh, performed differently when working with the Latino community? Well, it's a little bit different because you feel, at least I feel like I am a little bit more involved in people's lives than with the Latino community than I am with my regular um, victim, my my American victims, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because I feel like there's this sense of like um, familia that we have because we do speak Spanish and they tend to trust you a little bit more. Um, So my interviews with uh, my Latina ladies, um, I haven't had any men so far, but mostly have been women, um, are a little bit longer because, you know, they they just feel like they just want somebody that can listen. And we are... We Latina women, we're storytellers, so <laughs> um, our interviews, um, I feel like I'm more involved in their lives um, than my other victims, and it's not even on purpose, it's just kind of like how it naturally occurs. Um, how is culture a factor in helping victims report their abuse? Well, culture is a big factor. Um, I believe that 
in the Latino community specifically, well, a lot of minority communities, because mm-hmm. I also work with, you know, I've worked with Nepali victims, I've worked with Somali victims, so I feel like in those smaller marginalized communities, um, there is a sense of um, fear, um, and it could be many factors that could bring that fear, whether it's a, a being shamed by their own community for um, trying to prosecute their, their loved one, their mm-hmm. husband, or, um, well, so far it's been, you know, women that I've worked with, right? Um, there's that. Then there's the, the how you grew up, right? So we don't do these things. We just kind of deal with it and shut up and keep it moving. Um, a lot of, I've had a couple of women tell me that, you know, like the mother of the husband called her and, you know, kind of, please don't do this to him, da da without any regards of what he did to her. And I know that this is not as a, you know, like, true for everybody within the culture, but it's predominantly happens more within our cultures where there's like more forgiveness for this type of behavior. Many times language and even immigration status mm-hmm. can prevent victims from learning about domestic violence and the help that they might receive. How can we um, bridge this gap and bring prevention, education, and information about resources? There has to be more community involvement, especially um when it comes to that immigration part right now, mm-hmm. um, I work closely with a couple of the advocates in the Ohio Coalition, um, and I Ohio Hispanic Coalition, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I know that they are able to help um, with some of these issues, especially immigration issues, because there are certain visas for uh, victims of crime, specifically especially for domestic violence, sex trafficking. So there are resources out there, but yes, there has to be more awareness about these resources. We have to come together as a community, as a whole. Um, people who who know have this knowledge, we have to do better at coming together to talk about this. I feel like there's not really much of that. Um, there is, but it's not as like, broadcast it right Mm -hmm. it's very small and not everybody knows about it so I think that we just need to do better at having whether it's workshops whether it's like community meetings whether it's um, I know that the Ohio Hispanic Coalition has support groups but it's for victims so like having something that reaches out more in a more broad sense to bring more people in because you never know who's going through that who just hasn't come forward. So just having things for people who are, who, who, who don't know mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, um, that they're even in an abusive relationship, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, it, I mean, it's, it's really just doing the work more than anything else. I mean, I feel like if we do the work together as a unit, um, there will be less of these issues that we will be facing. Mm-hmm. The work of helping victims out of domestic violence or sex trafficking situations is urgent and necessary. Uh, How do you help victims regain their sense of security, control, and identity? It's the hardest. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It really is. I feel like it takes years for women to gain that sense of control and identity when that identity, when their identity has been taken away from them. 
Um, unfortunately, um, because of the kind of work that I do, I'm very limited to how much I am involved in that, right? Because mm-hmm. my actual duties have everything to do within the court system and helping them nav- navigate the court system. So within our conversations and our interviews, yeah, I have to, you know, I do m- my best to try to like empower them into understanding that like this is not okay. You know, I, I have, you know, a lot of the Latina women, you know, they have a very strong belief in God. And I wholeheartedly believe that God in, did not intend for us to go through things like this, that this is, you know, like somebody decided to be this way and we just happened to fall in love <laughs> blindly and get caught up in this mess. Um, so kind of working with them more along the lines of like, helping them feel secure about their choices, right? So, like, if they are going to make a choice of leaving their husband, okay, providing them with, like, the necessary things, like connections to the necessary resources so they can move forward because I can't walk with them through that, not in my role right now. Um, And it's a little bit hard because it's like I want to, like, grab them by the hand and tell them exactly what to do (laughs) and make them do it. (laughs) Unfortunately, we can't do that. So it's like in a way it's like talking to them and teaching them on like how they can do it on their own and like being available in case you know after the case is over if they have a question and they want to call me I you know I I do my best to always reach back out to them and like trying to see where they're at and it's it's a lot of work (laughs) (laughs) well is domestic violence higher in the Latino community than in other groups? Um, and is it hard to keep victims in the Latino community? Um, is it hard to help them understand that what has happened is not their fault? Um, I will say that I know for sure that in mar- marginalized groups, smaller groups is higher because of the cultural background that a lot of the times they have experience. So whether it's um, someone from an African country, because like, again, it's, it's all the same thing, right? So I can tell you, we grew up, not all of us, but you know, in many households, a woman grows up to get married and like cater to their husband and whatever their husband do is like, you don't break that bond because of what he did. You just continue and you just hope for the best. Um, And unfortunately, in a lot of Latino homes, that's the reality where, you know, they maybe because of their upbringing, um, that's basically how they feel, right? So like, you know, that's my husband. I can't leave him. What about the kids? My baby misses him. You know, and they stay because of all of this, like, information they've been fed since they were children that, you know, no matter what your husband does as far as, like, violence is concerned, it's okay. Not that it's okay, but it's more of, like, you have to forgive and let it go and, like, Mm -hmm. remember that, like, how is he, you know, he's the father of your children and things like that. Um, There's also, like, the component of money where in a lot of communities— like a lot of Latino communities, um, the husband is the main breadwinner. 
So you do have that financial piece right there where a lot of the women who do not work, or even if they work a little bit, they cannot necessarily provide for the children that they have, so they would much rather stay. So do I feel like in the Latino communities more? I do believe so. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, the numbers as far as reporting is concerned is not going to be, it's not going to show that because there has been a decrease in Latinos reporting crime due to the immigration situation. Mm-hmm. They are very afraid to like get picked up by ISIS and things like that. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> it's, 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 um, I do believe so. It's just that they're not reporting it as much. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I have knowledge of like people who are in these situations who right. won't come forward because they're just afraid for their own safety and the safety of their children. How can victims start making decisions about what their next steps are, um, so that they can feel like they're in control again after experiencing this type of situation? The first thing that a domestic violence victim needs to get a hold of, it's a safety plan, a solid safety plan. I feel like in what I see, what I've seen, um, what I'm learning is that a lot of people don't know Um, how to even maintain themselves safe in these situations, right? So definitely finding out what the resources are and, like, finding a solid safety plan because if they can empower themselves to, like, be able to escape from that specific moment, they can, like, gain a little bit of, like, self-assurance. Like, Mm -hmm. okay, I was able to get done with that. What's next, right? Um, whether it's like they went to a shelter, what's next after the shelter, or what's next after being at my friend's house. Um, another thing um, that they can do is speak out to people that you know have your back because a lot of women are very much alone, um, are here alone. Um, in the Latino community, I have noticed that a lot of the victims that I've encountered, they're here alone, like their whole family is back in their in their country in mexico they, they and they just have friends that they're shared friends so like they can't really like go to the boyfriend's husband's guy friend or even mm-hmm. guy friend's wife because then there'll be retaliation that comes from it so um speak out try to get like help from your, like even your own like your circle try to have that circle um and have a safety plan and just kind of like reach out to resources that are out there and not be afraid and not think about, well, so-and-so reached out to this organization. Like they didn't help them. Like that organization could have had a bad apple during that time. And unfortunately, because of that bad apple who may most likely no, no longer be there, um, a lot of people are going to be like, um, not trusting of that whole organization, but there's so many people out here, like there's so many organizations and so many of us just waiting for somebody to come and like, just tell us like, what the heck am I gonna do? Mm-hmm. And, and like, we're not geniuses and we're not <laughs> like, you know, we can't hand you a check and, you know, but at least we can like walk you through the steps of what you can do next. What more do you want the Latino community to know about your work and this topic in general? 
The thing I would like the Latino community to know is that we need to do a better job at definitely not shaming victims. We have to stop shaming victims. We have to stop empowering the, the, the men and women who are abusive and making it seem like it's the victim's fault that this person did that, right? Um, we need to be more open-minded and more uh, knowledgeable of what this really looks like. And I can tell you, like, personally, I, 10 years ago, I probably had no idea. I probably would have had my own not-so-great um, not so great responses to a victim of domestic violence because of my lack of knowledge. Mm -hmm. So as the years have taught me, and now in this role, I realize that the, the worst thing that we do is we shame those victims and then we make them feel like it's their fault that they're in this situation. And if we stop doing that, we can at least give them a little bit of hope that, you know, this is not your fault and we're here for you and, and that we are ready to, I mean, we can't fight the person, but we can at least provide, you know, help them. If it's a friend or a family member, open a couch up for, for that person. If it's for a, for a short period of time, because we just never know how little those, how big those little things can be for that person. Well, Betty, it's been a pleasure having you today and talking to you about your work. Thank you for the work that you're doing in helping survivors and offering support through the emotional process of recovery. It has been a pleasure talking to you. Thank um, you so much for having me. Claro. It's been a pleasure being here. Uh, pues, gracias por escucharnos y recuerden uh, seguirnos, seguirnos en Facebook y de compartir este podcast con otros. Uh, hasta la próxima. Adiós. Adiós. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.